This is Retail Retold, the story of how that store ended up in your neighborhood. I'm your host, Chris Ressa, and I invite you to join my conversation with some of the retail industry's biggest influencers. This podcast is brought to you by DLC Management. Welcome to Retail Retold, everyone. Today, I'm here with Danielle Brunelli. Danielle is the president and a principal at RJ Brunelli and Company. Welcome to the show, Danielle. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. So, Danielle, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about who you are and what you do? Um, Sure. Uh, RJ Brunelli and Company, we specialize in retail real estate. We're brokers. Uh, My father started the company 45 years ago. and we do landlord and tenant representation. Um, I got my real estate license when I was 18 years old and uh, graduated from Monmouth University, but got, got working right away. Um, so I have a really strong network of relationships. Um, I've been doing mostly tenant, tenant rep work since I started. Um, but yeah. That's great. And so. <laughs> We, we went through this crazy time. How have things, how, how have you been handling what's gone on over the past two years? Um, we never stopped working, obviously. Um, so I, I represent Dollar Tree and they were one of the tenants that thank God, you know, kept going, you know, they were even busier during COVID because they were, you know, still leasing space, um, you know, and, and fortunately Dollar Tree and Family Dollar uh, they do well in the down times and the good times and, you know, whenever. So, um, yeah, I mean, I was, I was still super busy. And then it's kind of funny because uh, one of the clients that we represent now, Gregory's Coffee, um, they, you know, they were shut down in Manhattan. Most of the locations were, you know, downtown Manhattan. And he called me up and said, I want to do drive throughs so uh, it's it's kind of interesting how some tenants were able to just, you know, turn around and see what they could figure out next uh, during that time. So yeah, um, that is interesting. That. Yeah. Have any of those got going yet? I have one that's about to get approved, hopefully in Hazlitt. Uh, I just got a lease signed in Manalapan on Route Nine. Um, we have a lease out in Princeton. Um, but he opened his first drive-through in Paramus on Route 17. Wow, good market. So yeah, very yeah. cool. All right, I want to take us to everyone to get to know Danielle a little bit more. Take us to a part of the show I call "Clear the Air." I've got three fun questions for you. Are you ready? Sure. <laughs> All right. Question one: What is one skill you don't possess but wish you did? So, I mean, I possess like every skill there is possible. (laughs) So I asked my daughter, I was like, Ella, what skill don't I possess? She's like, well, you're really bad at math. (laughs) 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 Apparently I can't do like elementary school math because uh, my daughter, like last year, especially during COVID, that was, that was tough. Like I had to help my kids with like, you know, homework and I ended up getting my kid like a D. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Elementary school math. Oh, let's stop right there. Best answer I've had in a while. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay. Uh, question two. 
Uh, when is the last time you did something for the first time? So I actually went to dinner yesterday to BJ's Brewhouse restaurant. That was the first time I tried that. I was like, oh, this is a good, good answer. Uh, I like trying new restaurants, especially if they're you know new to the market. Um, so I was in, yeah. Last question. What is one thing most people agree with, but you do not? Um, so I guess going back to like school, uh, you know, I have 10 year old twins. Uh, my son is like this little brainiac kid, but he doesn't have to really do anything to get like, you know, his A's. Whereas my daughter is, you know, she really has to work hard. She reminds me of me, but she'll get a C once in a while. So I think uh, to me, like, you know, grades in school doesn't really mean much. It's just about like how hard you work and, and really the effort that you put towards things. Um, just, uh, you know, school-wise, I was never good at school. Obviously, I can't do math still. So. <laughs> <laughs> but everything else, like I, you know, I try my best and that's, I think that's, or no. Yeah, that, that the, we put, the SAT scores was like ridiculous. I, I was just like, I yeah. Know. So we put so much emphasis on on education and uh, in America, you know, I, I, right now. So I have a I have a uh, daughter who's going to be five and a three year old son. And the biggest thing that we've been we were talking about all winter was like, is she going to kindergarten this year or are we gonna? wait another year before to start kindergarten. And, you know, and you sit back and think about everything that's going on and like the fight over, you know, I hear about fights about people trying to get into the right preschool. And I'm like, let's take a step back here. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, everything, there's nothing that you, if you, I'm pro learning. I'm the all. Yeah, of course. Kids need to be. I think kids need to be pushed. They still need to be pushed, right? But because um, it's, it's going back to that, like I I I sent my kids to Montessori school, and I, I don't know. I just heard good things about it. We're like, oh, Montessori. So it was funny because my my son really advanced in Montessori, but that's because again, like he he catches on to things really quickly. But at Montessori, they only push you if you, they think you're ready. So my daughter was like, she never wanted to like move on to the next step because she was just like in her comfort zone. And so they didn't ever pushed her. So she ended up like just scrubbing chairs for years in preschool. Like what is going on? Right. But I don't know. Yeah, I, I think. And what's interesting now is, you know, as you said, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the generation that's that was isolated and sat home during COVID. What will it be the long-term impacts of their education in the future. I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. I, I keep saying there's nothing that you can learn in school that you can't go from an, from a book that you can't go on google.com and find the right. answer. Right. You know, I think the social interaction and, you know, getting those emotional intelligence and understanding what happens in life is just as important in the school setting. And we don't, keep scores and test on that and it's probably just as valuable of a skill as uh, the math that your daughter was doing that you don't have to do today to be successful right so anyway uh 
Thank you for playing that game with me. I appreciate it. It was fun. Great answers. Um, so uh, what I want to move to next is I want to see if you have a story for us about a deal or uh, a store that you were a part of opening and what that was like. And sure. Where are we going, Danielle? Uh, so again, going back to Dollar Tree, I've done about 150 Dollar Tree deals. Wow. Dollar Tree Family Dollar Deals. But uh, one that's really special uh, to me, it opened pretty pretty recently, I guess a year or so ago. Um, and uh, that's because I... I it was what town? Real quick, what town? Oh, sorry. Clementon, New Jersey in South Jersey. Which town? Uh, Clementon? Clementon. Is that Cumberland yeah. County? County <laughs> <laughs> it is. Uh, it's by Berlin. Um so, Over by Philly on the southwest side. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. So um, I knew it was like a kind of a an area that they could fill. Um, and there was a, a, a vacant property out of corner, out of light. Um, and, but it was a, a bank basically was, was selling it. So, um, you know, it was big, big enough to hold more than a dollar tree. Um, but anyway, I had an idea of what could be there. So my boyfriend, actually, uh, he, he got the property under contract. Um, and then I literally, we drew a site plan. Um, we hired uh, an engineer to create a real plan. I got a Dollar Tree deal approved in committee. And then we, you know, we had a performa of, you know, how much it would cost to, you know, soft costs and hard costs, et cetera. And then we were able to, like, basically sell the pro forma to a developer. So he flipped the contract and made a commission and uh, developments there today. So that's pretty cool. Very, very cool. A lot, yeah. a lot to that. So, um, you was the first, you knew that Dollar Tree wanted to be there. So was the first step that you did, was it put the property under contract? Yes. So you tied it up. How long did you have to like do this? Because that's always a, the it's a, the contract's only as good as as long as you have to try to be able right. to put I all think, these pieces. I think our, I, I mean, we had a pretty good, I mean, we had a good amount of time. It was like 18 to 24 months or something like that for us to get all the approvals. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Yep. And so you have 18 to 24 months and the, you know, the bank, Historically, they paid like high rents. I don't know the market well in Clemington, but um, was it a a tough negotiation with the the seller, or was it pretty commercial? It was pretty. I mean, it was yeah. It was basically a, a property that was about to be foreclosed on, so the bank just wanted to sell. You know, get it off of their books. Oh, amazing! Um, yeah. That's a good opportunity. Yeah, it was really it was really cool opportunity and. Um, you know, getting Dollar Tree to approve it was my next step, you know, making sure I had a deal that I can get done and I had a lease. So we didn't know if we were going to be able to develop it ourselves, but, you know, we just didn't have that kind of money to build it. So, uh, but, we, but he, we flipped the contract um, to a developer. And, and so you, so you're at, and, and flipping a contract. We didn't even have to close on the property. Right. So I was you just going to say. You literally assigned the contract and, and they knew how much it was you know, we, we paid for it. Um, you know, there was, so. Yeah. So, 
that is that is interesting because and that's where I was going next which is it's a really clever way to make a deal happen because you, you obviously you got to put it under contract then you get the deal done with Dollar Tree you got to get a lease done with Dollar Tree and you're representing them for years now you're their landlord in this scenario but you're not you're may not be the intent of it long term so you get a lease and you're not out of pocket a ton of money because you haven't bought the property yet. You might have right. had to make a deposit and you paid for plans and engineering yeah. and going through the approvals. The flip of the contract, here's one of the pieces. Oftentimes, when you deliver that contract, you, you might have to deliver approvals. Did you have to get the approvals or did the nope. developer? The developer got all the approvals. Wow. And... Mm -hmm. So they paid you a fee for the contract and whether they closed on the property or not, they had the contract, correct? Yeah, it was like, I guess it was like an assignment of a contract. Yeah, it was pretty cool. <laughs> my, my father obviously helped us orchestrate the whole thing, but I, I learned a lot from doing it. So. Yeah, that is really, really cool. And the... <clears throat> What made you go about it that way? I guess, why did you just, you saw this opportunity. When did you decide, like, I'm going to have to put this under contract to make a Dollar Tree happen? I mean, I knew it was the perfect location for them. I toured the site with them in the past. Um, and I, I, but I guess my question is more like, why not get a developer in the beginning and bring them in versus which, right, all the time you're dealing with, landlords, developers, and tenants all the time, and you're the intermediary, why go the route where you're now, you're going a little step further than you might? Yeah, well, obviously, my, 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 my boyfriend, who owns a real estate company himself, um, um, we, uh, we didn't know if we were going to develop it ourselves. So we, you know, we did end up, you know, we thought maybe we could do that. But um, and we were, you know, we were trying to maybe do a JV with somebody. We didn't know what we were going to do. I was just like, we just need, we need to control this property. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, you need to control it. That makes sense. <laughs> so that was sense. our first, you know, our first initial step in controlling the property was making sure we got it under contract. Yeah, and I think for those out there who might invest in other asset classes, I think that's one of the big things, which is like people are afraid to maybe make an offer on something or take some, because like, they're like, Oh, it's a million dollars. But the first yeah. step is really just need to get it under your control. And You're not exactly. out of pocket a million dollars exactly. just yet. So I'm not like, I'm not in the business of doing that. I've never, you know, we're not developers. Um, you know, whereas my, my boyfriend is he Michael DeGeorge. He, um, I don't know. It just comes natural to him. Like, you know, like I, I need to focus on one thing and getting things leased pretty much. Um, whereas he could focus on that aspect. So it was, it was really neat to work with him on something like that. Um, where we could both kind of like, you know, work on separate things and get it done together. Um, yeah. Uh, what a good story. Um, the, is it open now? Did you say? Yeah. Dollar Tree's open. I took a picture there a couple weeks ago. It was really cool. That's really cool. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. And that is how they ended up in Clementon because <laughs> Danielle went gangbusters and put it under contract. So, yeah. um, really cool. And 
So in appreciate the story. We talked about earlier what you've been, what the pandemic was like. And now, you know, at least from my perspective, I don't know if you share the same, it's total whirlwind because I think in March of 2020, I was like going, I, what's going to happen to this industry? Have no idea what's going to happen. Um, and today it's feels like activity is people want to be in stores. Retailers need them to profit. And it feels like notwithstanding macroeconomic headwinds, whether it's interest rates, inflation, retails, you know, really feel strong. How are you seeing it from your lens? Um, I agree with you. Um, I mean, I know that there are some stores out there, uh, like the Gap, for instance, where, you know, most of their sales are being done online and, you know, people are really just doing returns and everything. Um, but, you know, as when it comes to like supermarkets, discounters, you know, flooring stores, uh, home decorating, they're still going super strong. Um, and uh, the restaurant drive through the whole drive through category is like, you know, just on fire. It's crazy. Everyone wants um, to drive through. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting like uh, we're, we're 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 taking a look at every single gas station today because they seem to be mostly all available like the smaller ones um and like uh, getty for example um pmg they, they basically have become real estate companies yeah they could take back properties and then redevelop them um but there's i mean yeah there's just there's really not many vacancies when you think about it and then when there is a vacancy they're getting filled up that's that's what's crazy right because you know we read headline news in march of 2020 like every store in america was going to close and now there's no availability for space yeah so and there hasn't been much new construction either so exactly you know there's maybe you know there's one large shopping center being built here in old bridge you know a new shop right target center but we haven't seen new construction in forever yeah, I saw federal's federal's doing that. Uh, not federal regency, yeah. agencies doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's going to be an interesting one for sure. Um, yeah, we're seeing the same. I, it's so crazy how how fast things move, and and that's why you know I'm always like kind of got looking over my shoulder a bit because. The market shifted from, you know, overnight the market like collapsed, right? We had a pandemic, we were sheltering in place. Then pretty quickly we came out of it in the, everyone was running and gunning and it, you know, it can turn back and forth pretty quickly. I think the good news is today is that we're so much more well occupied than we were before the pandemic. Right. And... I would argue that it's a much stronger tenant base because a lot of the weaker ones were weeded out in the pandemic. Right. right. So I think whatever happens next is just like always is probably going to be interesting. So, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and by the way, it's so gonna, you, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. We, we have a, a lot of these Amazon supermarkets that are about to open in our area. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they open, what happens to some of the other local supermarkets. So we don't have too many local supermarkets. I know ShopRite's supposed to be like, 
you know, they're supposed to gear up with their, their new, uh, I think, carts, a similar kind of system as Amazon. Um, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll see. There's going to be a lot of supermarket competition. Well, there's some inter there's some interesting there's a lot of interesting tech that I think could happen in a supermarket. I, I've been waiting because I heard this was happening. I've been waiting for the and tell me if you would like this. I've been waiting for um, a little bit more smart technology in the home with the store. So uh, imagine this. Imagine you're driving home and you talk to Siri and you go to your ShopRite app and the ShopRite app says something or the Amazon app or the Lidl or Aldi or whatever it says. It says, in your fridge, you have these three items. If you go to the nearest ShopRite or the nearest Stop and Shop, which is here, and you pick up these four items, here's six recipes you can make tonight. Um, if we had that technology in the fridge, the smart fridges, yeah. um, I think there's interesting things to come. I think you know that would be pretty fascinating. So I heard that I heard that Walmart is either has it or it's coming out with like an app where like it's a virtual Walmart where you're walking through Walmart and then like you're not in the store but you, you, you're in you the metaverse. You see the shelves, you pick out what you want, and then it gets delivered to you. Really? It's like three days or something. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't see that. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. So I, I've been playing around with that because, uh, not that app, but the, the metaverse stuff because right. I have, um, I, I toured some virtual offices. So people had offices where like employees are remote, but they're operating and navigating in a virtual office. So like you have an avatar. I make myself like some Harry Potter avatar, as you said, and I, I look like Harry Potter and I go to like the break room in the office and I say, hey, how's it going? And I get my fake cup of coffee and they're like, oh, I'm going to a meeting over here. I'm like, ah, stop by over here when we're done. But it's all through. It's like you're in the office, but you're not yeah. physically yeah. there. That's crazy. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> Where we, we, I, I bet you our, our, our kids are definitely going to be into stuff. I mean, you know, they all have, my son has the Oculus, I guess oh, it's yeah. called, right? And it's just, it's, it's virtual, virtual reality and it's amazing. How, how old are your kids? 10. 10. 10, yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's so funny. They, 10 years old and um, like, you know, again, I try to help them with homework. I'm like, Axel, I'm like, Let, let's print this out so we can study. He's like, print he's like we're just gonna split screens like, okay. <laughs> all right like I, they're just like they know so much more than us <laughs> like computer wise it's hysterical print this out he looked at you like they do better google they do better like um uh, what's it called um they just do better presentations that i mean it's yeah. like professional stuff it's amazing and you have twins yeah my wife is an identical twin Okay. Yeah. I got boy boy girl twins. Are they are they at each other's throats or are they super tight? Uh, half and half. They're not each other. They're they're just they you know they stand by one another, but they're not like. I don't know. My daughter's a lovey dovey. My son's like, eh. 
<laughs> Fair enough. Okay. I want to take us to the last part of the show. I call this retail wisdom. Wisdom. I got three questions. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Question one. What extinct retailer do you wish would come back from the dead? Toys R Us. I love Toys R Us, too. Yeah. All right. Question two. What is the last item over $20 you bought in a store? Steak. Question three. Last question. If you and I were shopping at Target and I lost you, what aisle would I find you in? In the home accessories aisle. I'm very into home fashion. (laughs) Love it. Well, Danielle, this has been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Good luck, and I will probably see you in Las Vegas. Definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to Retail Retold. If you want to share a story about a retail real estate deal that you were a part of on our show, please reach out to us at retailretold at dlcmgmt.com. This show highlights the stories behind the deals from all perspectives. So it doesn't matter if you are a retailer, broker, entrepreneur, architect, or an attorney. Also, don't forget to subscribe to Retail Retold so you don't miss out on next Thursday's episode.